Hey, this is Dave DeCamp from Antiwar.com. This is Antiwar News for Friday, November 24th, 2023. All right, so I'm recording this Thursday night. So this is a special Thanksgiving edition of Antiwar News. I'm full of food and wine, so I'll do the best I can here. It'll, it's going to be a little short. Um, I wrote up just a couple things today, and we, we've we posted stuff from kind of other sources, but definitely some interesting things here to get through. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who's listening. I hope everybody had a good one who celebrates. All right, so let's get started here. The first story at the top of antiwar.com today, the U.S. doubts Israel can make good on the Gaza aid deal. So this seems like a big story. The Biden administration, well, Biden administration officials told the Times of Israel that they don't believe Israel can live up to its commitment to allow 200 aid trucks to enter Gaza per day during the pause that's part of the hostage deal with Hamas. Now, I should say, you know, when reports initially broke about Israel approving this hostage deal, it said that they agreed to allow 300 aid trucks in per day. And then there was the report from the New York Times that I went over yesterday that said they didn't agree on how much supplies they would allow in. But this is saying they've agreed to 200 aid trucks and that the U.S. doesn't think they can do it. And the reason why is because Israel is refusing to open its Kerem Shalom crossing with Gaza. So Israel does not want to let aid trucks enter Gaza through its own border crossing during the four-day pause or any time after. So with Egypt's Rafah crossing the only available entry for aid trucks, it's unlikely that 200 will be able to enter a day. So when Israel first unleashed its bombing campaign after the October 7th Hamas attack, Israel initially refused to let aid trucks in. They even threatened to bomb the aid trucks. But after agreeing, agreeing to let aid shipments enter, you know, a limited number, Israel put in a very stringent inspection regime. The trucks have to first be inspected in Egypt. Then they have to go to an Israeli crossing to be inspected by the Israelis. And then they go to Rafah to enter Gaza. So that whole long process is slowing everything down, and aid groups have set a goal of getting 100 trucks in per day, but they've only accomplished that a few times because of all this red tape. So basically, these officials are saying they don't think Israel can, you know, that the numbers are gonna of aid trucks are going to be high enough to fulfill the deal, and they're saying that there's no sign Israel will open its crossing into Gaza. So this puts the hostage deal in peril, at least it sounds like it. And these Biden administration officials told the Times of Israel that Israel's stance is really problematic, was how they put it, because that the level of aid that's going into Gaza now is unsustainable. And they also said Israel's reasoning for not opening the crossing is completely political since there's no security concerns about aid entering Gaza, or I would say it could be related to the fact that they want to punish, collectively punish all the Palestinians in Gaza. Uh, Israeli officials have frequently pointed to this limited aid that they've let enter Gaza to justify their continued onslaught. Um, so basically, you know, it's PR 
for Israel to say, look, we're letting some aid in. You know, we're not all bad, even though you have the aid group saying, you know, they need to stop the war. That's what the people in Gaza need, or or many more are going to die. Um, and we saw the UN's relief chief say it's the worst humanitarian crisis he's ever seen, worse than Cambodia in the 1970s under the Khmer Rouge, uh, you know, during the killing fields, which is one of the, you know, we're we're taught about growing up as one of the worst genocides of the 20th century. And here you have him saying it's worse than that. Um, so when it comes to the hostage deal, Qatar said on Thursday that the pause in fighting is scheduled to begin at 7 a.m. local time on Friday. So about when this show gets posted, that's going to be 7 a.m. local time in Gaza. So we'll see on Friday if, if this truce starts, if, if it's held this isn't a good sign. The U.S. basically saying they don't think Israel is going to live up to one of its commitments. But this is also something that might not be immediately clear when it starts. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, again, we'll just see how it all plays out. And then the hostage releases are expected to begin later on Friday. All right. So the next one here, Netanyahu says the U.N. is not doing enough for Palestinians in Gaza. So. Netanyahu really said that. He says that the UN's not doing enough. And Netanyahu on Thursday accused the UN of not doing enough to respond to the humanitarian crisis that he created in Gaza. Netanyahu said, quote, I have not seen yet the effort that I'd like to see from the UN and the international agencies to build shelters there in Gaza, end quote. He said that there's no reason not to erect tens of thousands of tents in the safe zone. So I don't, I'm not sure exactly what he means by the safe zone. If Israel has told the UN that there is this certain safe zone in Southern Gaza, um, you know, it's hard to trust Israel on something like that, considering they told the Palestinians to evacuate the North, but they continued to bomb the South. And there was that political report this week that said the US was telling them where aid groups were operating and Israel was bombing them anyway. So, I mean, just the fact that he's giving the UN, saying this about the UN, and and he's killed his his war in Gaza has killed over 100 UN aid workers. I'm sure aid workers. I know from Doctors Without Borders, they've lost doctors, and aid workers from all sorts of organizations have been killed or wounded, or their families have been slaughtered. So for him to say that the UN isn't doing enough, I mean, it's just really uh, unbelievable. All right, so the next one here, Israeli army arrests the Al-Shifa hospital director and other doctors. So this article is from Al Jazeera. The Israeli army has arrested the director of Al-Shifa hospital, the largest medical complex in Gaza. Um, so basically, the Israeli military is saying that they're arresting this guy, the hospital director, Mohammed Abu Salmiya, because they found evidence that uh, under his direct management, the hospital served as a Hamas command and control center. And Israel has not shown any evidence to to prove that claim that it was some sort of command center. If you remember, they just showed a, a few rifles were found in the hospital. And of course, they could have been easily planted by Israel. But let's say they were there. A few rifles does not mean a command center. They showed that there's tunnels. They were showing going through tunnels under there. But again, there was no sign of a command center. Uh, we know Israel built a big bunker. Uh, Ehud Barak, the former Israeli prime minister, just said that recently on CNN, 
that Israel built a bunker under the Al-Shifa hospital. And so the fact that there is something big underground there doesn't prove anything. And the fact that even if there's tunnels that pass through under the hospital, we know there's tunnels all over Gaza. It does not prove that it's a command center. So now they're arresting and detaining these health officials after raiding this hospital. All right, so the next one here, Israel continues attacks ahead of truce. So this is actually just the live updates from Al Jazeera because, again, once this posts and the, and the web and our page updates for the day, uh, it's going to be basically truce time in Gaza. So we just wanted to put the live updates to see how it, how it, uh, how it all unfolds. So there were Israeli airstrikes they continue to bomb Gaza, you know, before in the in the day before the truce is supposed to at least uh, take effect. All right, the next one here: settler attacks, displacement, accelerate in Hebron. So this article is from Connor Freeman, and he wrote another good, detailed story about the situation in the West Bank, which I've kind of been neglecting so far since October seventh. Roughly 226 Palestinians, including more than 50 children, have been killed in the West Bank. And that's by settlers and the military. And that's a huge number. It was about 200 before October 7th, and that was the most in a year since like the early 2000s. So, again, this is just really big, significant violence. And he uh, cited a report from the uh, 972 magazine that reads, quote, in multiple places, Palestinians were forced to leave their residences under the weight of settler attacks launched day and night. The settlers have burned homes, stolen sheep, blocked roads, and vandalized property. They have shot, beaten, threatened, and body-searched Palestinian residents. Even the city of Hebron has not been spared from this campaign, with the Israeli army and settlers imposing a lockdown in the area known as H2, and emergency laws further extricating perpetrators from accountability, end quote. So he puts in some accounts from Palestinians who have been driven from their homes. And I just wanted to read one of kind of the anecdotes from what uh, one guy has said happened to him and his family, just because it's so horrific. And I don't know if people understand that this isn't like, they're not being served papers saying, oh, you have to leave your home in X amount of day. It's not like an imminent domain type thing. It's people going in with guns and saying, we're going to kill you if you don't leave. And and in some cases, killing them, attacking them, burning their houses. So this is one account from a 76-year-old sheep farmer named Muhammad Shalalde and his family of 10. They were violently kicked out of their land by settlers around 4 p.m. in the afternoon. This was on October 9th, so just two days after October 7th. Around 4 p.m. in the afternoon, the armed settlers stole Shalalde's entire flock of 150 sheep, broke every one of his solar panels, ransacked his house, smashed all the family's belongings, and putting guns to his face threatened to kill him. They returned hours later, around 9 p.m., when no lights were working in the house, attacked Shalalde's family once again, and stole approximately 15000 that he had earned selling sheep and was saving to buy grain for his flock. The settlers then forced Shalalde and his family to leave their home. As they walked away with nowhere to go, the settlers burned the family's house down. So, And this is just one account. And in Hebron alone, more than 400 Palestinians have been displaced since October 7th. So this is a mini Nakba that's going on 
in the West Bank right now. Um, and, you know, it's not small. It's not mini to the people that it's happening to. This is uh, just really brutal stuff. And, and I believe the number is over 1,000 have been displaced in the West Bank, but just in Hebron, which uh, it's pretty significant that that many people have been getting thrown out of there. All right, so the next one here, U.S. guns may have already be arming West Bank settlers. So this article is from Middle East Eye, and it says that when Israel's national security minister, Itamar Ben-Gavir, started handing out assault rifles to civilians last month, there was a swift reaction from Washington. Reportedly outraged, U.S. officials were said to have threatened to halt armed shipments, including 24,000 new rifles that Ben-Gavir's ministry had ordered from American companies. The guns pictured at well-documented public events were not American or reportedly American-supplied. State Department officials were concerned, however, that the new rifles could be given to settlers and used against Palestinians in the occupied West Bank. And then this story goes on to quote, um, what's his name here? Sorry, I got to find his name. Uh, Paul is his last name. I kind of skipped through Josh Paul. So Josh Paul is the official in the State Department that resigned over Biden's support for Israel's war in Gaza. Um, and he said, quote, some of the guns that the U.S. will have exported will have gone through license to the Israeli Defense Forces. And, of course, most military age settlers are reservists, end quote. So he's basically saying that no matter what, you know, guns that the U.S. is sending to Israel are going to end up in the hands of settlers. And, you know, when it comes to what's happening in the West Bank, these settlers, even though it's technically illegal what they're doing, they're backed by the Israeli military. So the Israeli military that's funded so much by the U.S. and, and get, you know, billions and billions of dollars in military aid each year that Israel receives from the U.S. So the U.S. is backing and supporting what's happening in the West Bank, you know, regardless of what they say. Uh, you know, Biden says it's got to stop the violence in the West Bank and all that. But realistically, they are supporting it. All right, so the next one here, former State Department official Seldowitz arrested after his racist tirade. So this is our friend Stuart, who was uh, caught on camera harassing a halal vendor in New York City, saying all sorts of horrible things to him. I uh, covered it the other day. I didn't realize, so I, I rewatched the videos again. These were different days. He was wearing different clothing, and apparently he's been harassing this guy for two weeks. So he was actually arrested. And at first when he was arrested, I was like, you can't really arrest somebody just for being a horrible person. Um, but it turns out that he was making threats as well to his family. In one of the videos, he said that uh, he was going to use his contacts to to report the vendor's family to the, the intelligence agencies in Egypt and asked and said his father's fingernails were going to get ripped out one by one. So he was making real threats against him. And... There was also an article in the Gray Zone that they quoted the U Russian ambassador to the UN who said apparently this guy would go down to the UN and harass Russian diplomats. And, and he, it was one video, it was a woman he was with just harassing her. I mean, this guy's clearly out of his mind. He was in on Barack Obama's National Security Council and he was the deputy of the State Department's Israel-Palestine office from 99 to 2003. I mean, it's really unbelievable. 
Um, So he was arrested on charges of aggravated harassment, hate crime, stalking, stalking, causing fear and stalking at a place of employment, police said in a statement. And I'm not sure how the laws work in New York City because, I mean, the guy's on a food truck. You know, if if you have a business and somebody comes in and you don't want them there, you have every right to kick them out and and call the cops if they don't want to leave. So when it comes to a food truck on the sidewalk, I wonder what the laws are, you know, exactly about that. Um, But... You know, a lot of people are outraged at this guy. And again, it's just one of those stories, you know, almost unbelievable that he used to be a uh, in the U.S. government. All right. So the next one here, North Korea scraps pact as the South walks back commitment. So this article is from Kyle at the Libertarian Institute. Um, Amid escalating tensions in the region, North Korea has withdrawn from a 2018 agreement with South Korea that reduced military tensions on the Korean peninsula. Pyongyang took the step after Seoul announced that it would resume surveillance operations along the DMZ. So basically what happened was North Korea launched its surveillance satellite successfully. The South said they're going to resume surveillance flights and surveillance activity on the border, which violates this 2018 agreement. So now we have North Korea saying that they're going to scrap the agreement altogether. And, um, you know, it's just the situation on the Korean Peninsula continues to deteriorate. And I just don't see any, you know, the U.S. taking any steps to kind of ease things. They're just going to give the South Korea and Yoon what they want. Just send more bombers over there. And that's just the, the escalating tensions, this escalation ladder. Um, and it's something, you know, I try to keep an eye on on what's going on over there, but it's been tough lately with Gaza. It's just some an area I think so few people understand how, you know, things are right back to where they were after years of relative calm. All right, so the last one here, the U.S. shoots down attack drones fired from Yemen. This is just an article from Al Jazeera about this. And it says a U.S. warship cruising the Red Sea has shot down drones fired from Houthi-controlled territory in Yemen. According to U.S. Central Command, the USS Thomas Hoodner, a guided missile destroyer, shot down multiple one-way attack drones launched on Thursday morning from Yemen's Houthi-controlled areas, CENTCOM said in a post on X. CENTCOM said there was no damage to the U.S. vessels or injuries to the crew. Uh, The Houthis have declared themselves part of the axis of resistance, and they have been firing missiles and drones at Israel, and um, this isn't clear. Let me just look at what CENTCOM said exactly. It doesn't say if they were fired at the uh, U.S. warship, because I know in the, the last time the U.S. shot down a drone from Yemen, they said it was fired at them. But then before that, they intercepted drones and missiles that were headed toward Israel. So I'm not clear what the situation is with this one. But things just keep escalating in the region. Uh, All right. So that is it for the news. Please go check out our viewpoints. We have one from Gareth Porter. The IDF knew real Hamas HQ while lying about Al-Shifa. So this article from Gareth Porter, uh, he cites a report uh, that I was not aware of in what was it the jerusalem post that basically yeah the idf leaked to the jerusalem post in a story published on november 14th that the idf discovered a major tunnel facility that was quite certain had been the central headquarters for the hamas high command and this was an office building 
further north of Al Shifa Hospital. Um, so he's making the argument that Israel did actually discover the real HQ of Hamas and have just been lying about the Shifa Hospital this whole time, um, which is interesting. So definitely go check that out. One from Daniel Larison, The Warfare of Starvation. One from Edward Lozansky, The Historic High Points in the American-Russia Relationship. One from Kim Robinson, Give Peace a Chance. And one from Stephen Semier, U.S. Weapon Shipments to Israel Are Enabling War Crimes. Um, so that's everything for me. That's it for the week. I'll be back after the weekend. I hope everyone had a good holiday. Um, you can always support this show, liking, subscribing, sharing, telling your friends about antiwar.com. Follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, I'll be back in a few days. Thanks for listening.